American football is a complex game that is full of high-flying passes, synchronized blitzes, and disguised coverages. But despite the dictionary-sized playbooks that are full of X's and O's, football is still a sport that is predicated on the basic human measurement of strength, size, and propulsion. A lineman must be able to explode off the line of scrimmage to force his man backward. A cornerback must have the strength to jam and disrupt a receiver's timing, and ball carriers, be it the I-formation halfback or the option quarterback, must have solid mass if he is to withstand the punishment from men flying in to hit him at full speed. In order to ensure that their athletes are at their peak strength for this physical game, every team has a strength coach on the staff who incorporates a variety of lifts from bodybuilding, powerlifting, and weightlifting programs to create tailor-made workout regimens for the players. Without question, the strength coach has evolved into being a crucial necessity for a football team's success. A necessity that stems from the revolutionary pursuits of a pioneer named Alvin Roy. Born on April 24, 1920 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Roy's childhood and adult years were filled with athletics. Being a three-sport athlete at Estroma High School and playing on the LSU Tigers basketball team as a walk-on. His service in World War II brought him to Europe as a member of the 94th Infantry Division, having been stationed in Paris, France at the end of the war from 1944 to 1946. Roy's time in Paris would prove to be a formative period in his life, as it was the first time he witnessed the wonders of weight training when the U.S. weightlifting team came to Paris for the 1946 Men's World Weightlifting Championship. The experience was invaluable for Roy, who as an athlete was under the preconceived notion that strength sports such as weightlifting and powerlifting impeded the athlete's mobility and speed, a popular belief held amongst coaches at the time. Roy, however, actually found that weight training not only increased strength, but also increased speed and the flexibility of athletes, having witnessed members of the American team perform acrobatic flips and gymnastic stunts with grace, and also run at fast speeds. It was proving this stigma wrong that motivated pioneers and entrepreneurs within the weightlifting industry, most notably Bob Hoffman, owner of the York Barbell Company, founder of Strength and Health magazine, and, as fate would have it, the coach of the 1946 U.S. weightlifting team that Roy had witnessed. Hoffman began promoting the benefits of weight training through public weightlifting demonstrations in schools and by profiling the world's most accomplished weightlifters and bodybuilders in his magazine. His strategic publicity campaigns of these sports did not go unnoticed by the college players and coaches at the time. As one of the magazine contributors, Father Bernard Lang published a series of articles about the science and benefits of weight training. Lang, a graduate of Notre Dame University, would then be invited by his former undergraduate classmate, fighting Irish head coach Newt Rockney, to hold voluntary weight training sessions for the Notre Dame football squad. Testimonials written by football players would soon circulate in Strength and Health magazine commenting on how weight training improved their performances on the gridiron. After the conclusion of World War II, weight training's popularity among American men skyrocketed. Many universities began offering weight training courses and even built new facilities on campus to meet the growing demands of student interest. During this time, Alvin Roy trained religiously with Bob Hoffman 
and even served as a trainer for the U.S. Olympic weightlifting team in 1952. Afterward, Roy returned to Baton Rouge and opened up a barbell gym. It was here that Alvin Roy would begin his journey to forever debunk the misconceptions athletes and coaches held about weight training. Since opening his gym, Roy's barbell training began to attract attention from local athletes, who sometimes trained at Roy's gym in secret as to not disobey their coaches. While individually their results were astounding, Roy, believing that his theory would be best put to the test if adopted by an entire team, solicited his services to his former high school, Estroma High. After a few years of failed sales pitches, Roy was able to convince the coaching staff to try his training program free of charge. His regimen included low repetitions and a high amount of sets of power cleans, bench presses, rowing motions, deadlifts, dumbbell presses, and squats. With Roy's plan set in place, senior year halfback Billy Cannon, the eventual Heisman Trophy winner and future Houston Oiler, began his weight training journey that would contribute to his eventual All-American halfback status. Cannon and the team, by the start of the season, had seen drastic results from Roy's regimen. Former powerlifter and author Terry Todd described the results in a 1992 article written about Roy. Not only did they win all of their 13 games, but they scored 432 points in the process more than had ever been scored in a season by a high school team in Louisiana, and four of their players made All-State. As for Cannon, he amassed a state record 229 points, averaged 10 yards per carry, and was the most highly rated high school back in the United States. Roy's high school experiment proved to be a successful one and gave him a sense of legitimacy when he decided to take his experiment to the next level with the Louisiana State University Tigers. Following the 1957 season, LSU's head coach Paul Dietzel had endured three straight non-winning seasons since being hired and was in dire need to turn his program around. Aware of Dietzel's struggles, Alvin Roy approached the head coach and offered to formulate a weight training program that could increase his team's performance. Dietzel, still under the opinion that muscle slows down athletes, accepted Roy's offer not only because he felt that he had nothing to lose, but also because his starting halfbacks, Billy Cannon and future Green Bay Packers legend Jim Taylor, had trained extensively at Roy's gym, both of whom were praised by Dietzel for their strength. Once Roy's opportunity came to train the LSU Tigers football team, his method of 10 to 15 repetitions and two sets from a selection of Olympic and bodybuilding lifts proved to have equally profound results as they did with the Estroma High School team. Having gone undefeated, the Tigers were awarded the consensus title of national champions and had a handful of players listed with either SEC or All-America honors. Paul Dietzel, lauded for his willingness to embrace weight training and for his three-platoon system, won SEC Coach of the Year honors as well. Following LSU's success, more college football programs were now adopting mandatory weight training methods most notably the 1959 Rose Bowl champion Wisconsin Badgers, the 1963 national champions Texas Longhorns, and the 1966 national champions Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Clearly, Roy's impact was now evident at the college ranks, but 1963 would be the year he'd set out for new pastures into the world of professional football.
Prior to the 1963 season, Sid Gilman, head coach of the San Diego Chargers of the American Football League, had witnessed a high school game in which one of the teams had utilized weightlifting as part of their curriculum and was impressed by the size and strength that the training had provided the players. Now inspired, Gilman, a revolutionary offensive mind who consistently experimented to give his team a winning edge, decided to incorporate a strength training program for his players to increase their size and strength, particularly to make them better blockers. At a conference held for college football coaches, Gilman heard Roy's lecture about the benefits of strength training in football, and subsequently, Gilman hired Roy as professional football's first full-time strength coach. Leading up to the season, Gilman sent his players to Rough Acres, a ranch 70 miles east of San Diego in the town of Boulevard, California, where the Chargers would have training camp. It was here that Alvin Roy enrolled the team into a weight training program that incorporated Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, and bodybuilding workouts. The workout regimen was evidently a source of improvement for the Chargers, as they not only improved off their 4 and 10 record in 1962, but won their only championship that year with a 51-10 victory over the Boston Patriots in the AFL Championship game, capping off a dominant 11-3 season. After their championship year, Gilman and Roy published a treatise on their workout program titled World Champion San Diego Chargers Strength Program, In and Out of Season. Gilman and Roy labeled the 1963 Chargers as, quote, the world's strongest football team, a moniker that in recent years has come under scrutiny as it was discovered that Roy had instructed players to take Dianabol, an anabolic steroid used to aid muscle mass development through training, which at the time was legal in professional football. After the first five weeks of training, however, team doctors recommended against the drug and the pills were no longer mandatory. But weight training continued throughout the season and has been credited by many Chargers players, including Hall of Famer Ron Mix, as one of the main reasons for the Chargers championship season. With a noteworthy resume to his name, Roy was next hired as the official strength coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, who went on to win Super Bowl IV that same year. He spent the next several seasons with the Dallas Cowboys on their way to winning a pair of Super Bowls and appearing in two more. After a stint with the New Orleans Saints, Roy was last hired by the Oakland Raiders in 1979, before his untimely death of a heart attack three days after his 59th birthday. Alvin Roy's impact on the football world began to take shape in the 1970s, as college and pro football teams proceeded to follow suit in hiring strength coaches. Chuck Knoll, an assistant coach on the 63 Chargers team, hired his own strength coach, former Olympic weightlifter Louis Rieke, after he was hired as the head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Riki's contribution as the full-time strength coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers was evident as the run-heavy and defensively punishing team went on their way to becoming a dynasty. Additionally, Clyde Emmerich, a Chicago weightlifter, was hired as the Bears' first full-time strength coach in 1971. Now that strength training had become a necessary component of football, the fitness industry would take notice of training methods and conduct research to find and introduce new methods of strength training. Kim Wood, a freelance strength coach who worked for a multitude of NFL teams in the late 1960s, 
was one of the earliest proponents of the Nautilus machines and integrated these machines into his workout regimen when he was hired by Paul Brown in 1971 to oversee the Cincinnati Bengals strength program. Furthermore, the role of computers in analytics increased drastically, having been introduced by Bob Ward, a scientist hired by Tom Landry to aid Alvin Roy in the strength program by using a system of computer-driven analytics which enabled coaches to break down actual athletic movements rather than rely solely on statistics. And perhaps there could be no greater testament to Roy's impact on the game than that of the NFL Combine, where NFL hopefuls spend hours in the weight room each day leading into the event to increase size, strength, and speed to impress coaches and general managers. These impacts are only the tip of the iceberg that speaks to Roy's role in pioneering strength workouts for football teams. Like most trends in football, it was not an immediate effect, but a laborious endeavor that had to overcome decades of preconceived notions. Considering that today, NFL and college teams throughout the country invest thousands, if not millions, into strength training programs, point to the revelations that Roy showed the world of sports, as the average size of each player is now drastically different than when Roy was hired. Football is full of pioneers that have advanced the game in one way or another. Some live on in immortality, while others may never be known amongst the general public or even by those who followed in their footsteps. But no truer words can be spoken about Roy as there was written about him following his death. Alvin Roy was an unpublicized man who left an indelible impression on the game because he changed the face of a sport by changing the bodies that play it.